United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Since the end of July, North Korea has conducted six tests of short-range ballistic missiles or other projectiles. Uh, Apparently, they're trying to express their displeasure at the ongoing joint military exercises between the United States and South Korea. So uh, for a closer look at that and what's behind that and where this may be headed, we're joined by Frank Ahm. He's the senior expert on North Korea at the United States Institute of Peace, and he tweets at USIP. Uh, Frank, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. So this is, uh, is, is this, this is not unusual behavior for North Korea, is it? I mean, we've seen these, these missile tests and, and launches before, right? Yes, I mean, this is a, certainly a, a pattern of behavior that North Korea has demonstrated for the last at least 30 years. Um, but this, uh, the particular situation is interesting because, again, they are uh, refusing to begin the, negotiate, the working level negotiations that Kim Jong-un and President Trump agreed to uh, back on June 30th uh, at Panmunjom. And so hopefully once uh, the missile exercise period ends, then we can resume negotiations. So uh, it's interesting. What you're saying here is that uh, they're, they're upset about the United States taking part in these exercises, uh, but uh, that uh, Pyongyang is a little afraid of, of uh, crossing South Korea, of crossing the U.S., uh, so they can continue these uh, these discussions. So they're kind of uh, uh, projecting their anger on South Korea. Is that correct? Yes. So they are certainly uh, expressing their displeasure about the joint military exercises that the U.S. and South Korea conduct together. But they also recognize that they need to maintain good relationships uh, with good relations with the U.S. in order to proceed with diplomacy and achieve the gains that they want to um, regarding uh, better relations with the U.S. as well as sanctions relief. And so, but at the same time, they need to be able to express their displeasure uh, more vociferously, uh, and they've decided to do that against South Korea, um, which they believe uh, doesn't have a, a strong say at the current moment regarding uh, uh, some of the things like sanctions relief, and so they think that they can do that with South Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, does President Trump's stance toward North Korea really play into this in any significant way? It, it does. Um, he, President Trump is also very much interested in continuing negotiations. He'd like to achieve a deal um, and be able to tout it as a, a foreign policy victory. And so that's why um, he has been uh, less critical or, or about uh, North Korea's short-range missile tests. Other uh, members of the Trump administration, including Secretary Pompeo, uh, has said that they prefer North Korea not do that. Uh, Trump has been... Um, less critical, basically saying that they're not a problem. And and this has been uh, problematic because North Korea, uh, these tests are violations of U.N. Security Council resolutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, President Trump has talked about things like uh, beautiful letters and, and his uh, recent meeting at Panmunjom where, where the two of them stepped across the line, at uh, the line of demarcation, uh, into North Korea, something no U.S. president's ever done before. Uh, what do you think the long-term effect of all this will be? Do you think that this will, will in the end, push things along in a, in a positive direction? Well, I think, um, again, uh, once we move that 
past this current phase of tensions with the, the missile tests and the exercises, we can get back to negotiations. Now, Kim Jong-un wrote Trump a letter uh, a few weeks ago saying as much, suggesting that the negotiations can resume once the, once the exercises end, which should be at the end of this week. So once we get back to negotiations, then the question is, how do both sides uh, demonstrate enough flexibility that they address the concerns of each other and can actually reach uh, whether it's an interim deal or, or a bigger comprehensive deal. We've had uh, any number, well, we've had a couple of uh, summits between Mr. Trump and uh, Kim Jong-un, uh, but uh, do, do you get the feeling that whatever is accomplished through discussions will be taking place at a lower level? So that was uh, that is hopefully what the lesson was from Hanoi that um, both sides came to that with uh, high expectations, uh, probably uh, overestimation of their ability to convince the other of, of accepting a, a bigger deal. And so hopefully the lesson learned is that we need to go through the, the, the steps of working level negotiations and make sure that uh, all the details are addressed before we get to another third summit. Frank Alm is a senior expert on North Korea with the United States Institute of Peace, and we're discussing, of course, the current situation uh, with North Korea and the tensions, which which uh, never really seem to go away. Uh, Pyongyang, uh, what you've been saying is is also objecting to South Korea taking possession of uh, some U.S. F-35 stealth fighters, which it believes uh, can be used in covert decapitation operations to take out the regime. Is that really a, a, a driving fear among the uh, the Kim Jong-un regime that, uh, that either the U.S. or South Korea or both are, are planning to overthrow him? Uh, well, it's, it's unclear whether North Korea actually believes that that would happen, but uh, they've expressed before, certainly when the U.S. and South Korea has publicized um, decapitation exercises um, as part of the joint military exercise, and this is uh, earlier um, in instances where there are high levels of, uh, of tensions on the peninsula. Uh, and so that um, is concerning to North Korea, and they certainly need to respond to uh, that messaging of potential decapitation exercises. Um, and so South Korea is uh, taking possession of these stealth fighters. Uh, it's, uh, I think, two or four this year and then um, 40 um, uh, in, uh, in the next few years. Uh, that is something that North Korea has, uh, has need to respond to, um, and they've certainly done that with demonstrations of not only short-range missile tests, but multiple launch rocket systems that can uh, uh, evade uh, or, or sort of penetrate the gaps of South Korea's missile defense system. Is there any way of alleviating that, that fear on their part? Um, yeah, so I think there's certainly confidence-building measures that we can take, uh, certainly to tone down the messaging on some of these very provocative uh, things like uh, decapitation exercise. But I think overall, better relations between North Korea and the U.S. and North Korea and South Korea is the, is the biggest step that we can take to uh, alleviate their fears. President Trump at one point uh, echoed some of uh, Kim Jong-un's statements, or at least the North Korean government's uh, statements, uh, criticizing uh, the U.S. and South Korean joint military exercises or saying they weren't really necessary. Uh, is, would, where is that going to leave us? Uh, so those certainly uh, uh, 
weren't helpful statements from the president. Um, he's also criticized them as being provocative and expensive. Um, those are basically the same, uh, that's the same language that North Korea uses. Uh, at the same time, uh, there is a, I think uh, President Trump is trying to thread the needle here um, by uh, by expressing um, the need to move forward diplomacy, and but recognizing that uh, these exercises are provocative from North Korea's perspective. And so I, I don't think he said it the right way, but I think he's trying to uh, move to a point where we can move forward with diplomacy. Now, you've been studying this whole situation for many years and, and uh, been a keen observer of it, of course. Uh, in your view, where does the whole situation stand right now, uh, the tensions with North Korea that we're always talking about, uh, as compared to where they've been in past years? Or is, are, are things more dangerous now, less dangerous, about the same? Uh, what, what, what do you think? I think uh, the current period represents um, one of the best opportunities for diplomacy that we've had. Um, there's only been uh, probably the best opportunity we've had since the late uh, 1990s or 2000 when we were very close to reaching a comprehensive deal with North Korea. Um, but that being said, um, I think uh, the Trump administration's policy of maximum pressure engagement is the right approach. Um, I think uh, the implementation hasn't been as good as it could be, but again, it's not too late. And again, if we get to the point of working level negotiation that um, demonstrates flexibility on both sides, we can reach, uh, I think, uh, reaching a deal that uh, is perhaps an interim deal and doesn't satisfy both sides uh, completely, but it, uh, it will help us reduce military tensions on the peninsula uh, and, and address both uh, denuclearization and some of the things that North Korea wants, and that will put us in a, in a pretty good position going into next year. Now, the U.S. and some of the allies in, in, in uh, the, uh, the six-party talks that we used to have uh, with North Korea um, had, had reached some agreements in the past, and then North Korea tended to uh, renege on those agreements. Is there a way to uh, prevent that from happening again if they are uh, so successful as to reach another agreement? Yeah, that's a good point. So I think, uh, you know, different uh, people can have opinions, uh, you know, varying opinions about who was at fault for, you know, the greed framework collapsing. And, and I mean, in that situation, it was the U.S. pulling out the greed framework um, because they thought North Korea was um, violating the spirit of that agreement by um, enriching uranium. And then the six-party talks, it was basically North Korea uh, that pulled out after the end of the Bush administration, and they decided that they don't want to go down that path with the new Obama administration. I think what the biggest lesson learned is that um, it's not really a non-compliance with an agreement or insincerity with a, with a deal. It's more about making sure that if these issues arise, we need to be able to resolve them within the framework of a deal um, rather than scrapping the deal altogether. Interesting. All right. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Frank Alm, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Uh, Frank Alm is a senior expert on North Korea with the United States Institute of Peace and uh, will, uh, of course, keep an eye on the ongoing uh, efforts to uh, calm tensions in the, on the Korean Peninsula. By the way, uh, the uh, U.S. Institute of Peace uh, tweet is uh, at USIP. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.